You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Great to have you here in worship with us this morning. Great to have all the folks joining us, Grace Online, wherever you would be, in the area or outside of the area, outside of the states. Good to have you connecting in with us in worship this morning. Well, today we get to do one of my favorite things. Two things that I love to do is dedicate babies, pray blessings over babies, and see individuals baptized in water. And so today, as the Grace family, you get to come alongside two families who are presenting their children this morning that we might come alongside them, moms and dads, grandparents who are here, and pray blessings over these children. I'm reminded of a passage of Scripture every time I come to one of these, what I call holy moments, I'm reminded of... What happened in Mark chapter 10, where there was a large crowd gathered, and it would appear that, along with a large crowd, there were a number of children, and how many of you know, when you have children, you have energy, right? When you have children, you have the tendency to have a bit of of chaos, and that would seem to be playing out in this story, and the disciples were trying to do a little crowd control, they were trying to get the kids out of the way, and, and actually, it's interesting that Jesus rebuked the disciples And he's like, hey guys, this is the most important thing that's happening in this moment. And the scripture says that Jesus took the children into his arms. He placed his hands on them and blessed them. And so today we get to be a part of that. So you're not just observing today, you're participating in this. You're going to be praying blessings over these children. I can assure you moms and dads have already been praying blessings from the point of conception even to this day, and t- today you get to be a part of the speaking blessing over their lives. Well, first we have Robert and Mary Ellen, and they are dedicating their daughter, Emily Jo. Good morning, Emily. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Can I hold you, baby? Can you wave at everyone? Bye-bye. You're a happy girl. And then we have Dallas and Madison, who are dedicating today their son, Asher Guy. Want to hold that for me? Come here, big guy. Whoa. What do you think about that crowd? Hmm? Oh. Mm. I'm going to ask if you would extend your hand toward these two families, to their children, Emily Joe and Asher. We're just going to pray God's favor, His blessing on their lives and for those. Lord, I thank you today for Robert and Mary Ellen who, Lord, have committed their lives to you, committed, God, to building solid faith in their family, into the lives of their daughters. And Lord, today as a church family, we We rally about them, and Lord, we just speak blessings over Emily Cho. God, what a gift that you've brought to them. Lord, I ask that, uh, Lord, you bless Emily Jo, God, all the days of her life. God, that you would go before her, guide her, and the multitude, the thousands of decisions she would make, guide her in those. God, bring her to the fullness of the plans that you have for her life. Lord, today we speak blessings as we dedicate Emily Jo to you. And Lord, as well, we thank you for Asher. Lord, again, what a gift, a blessing. Lord, to Dallas and Madison, Lord, this morning we just pray blessings over 
Asher, God, again, guard him, guide him all the days of his life. May he come to know you as Lord and Savior at a young age. And Lord, throughout the days of his life, Lord, may he pursue you. And God, in that, Lord, bring your blessing, the fullness of your plans to fruition for his life. And Lord, we pray for moms and dads today, for Robert and Mary Ellen, for Dallas and Madison. Lord, what a privilege, Lord, but also what a huge responsibility. So, Lord, we pray for these parents that you guide them as they shepherd the hearts of their children. Uh, Lord, just give them wisdom to know how to parent well. Lord, we bless these families today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you let these families know by your applause that we're going to be standing with them? As they uh, finish up here, let me also welcome you to Grace Covenant Church, particularly if it is your first time with us as well as your first time online. We want to welcome you. We have two ways here that you can contact us. The first is if you would text the word guest to 704-486-9664 and online you can do that as well. Text the word guest to 704-486-9664. We'd love to uh, introduce ourselves here. You can also go to Guest Central, which is right out these doors, and there's a great team of folks who would love to meet you and talk to you. Well, before we get into the Word today, I want to share with you four quick things, some reminders of what's happening here at Grace. All of this is in your worship guide. The first is that we are in the month of September every Wednesday doing a prayer event we call Selah every Wednesday from 1215 to 1245, and we're also streaming that online. Church, would you agree with me that the world needs prayer today, right? We can stand in the gap. We need to intercede, and we're doing that in the month of September every Wednesday here in person in the Cornelius campus as well as online if you can't join us. You may not be able to join us for that time, that extended time, but join us for prayer wherever you are every Wednesday as we lift up the name of Jesus, as we intercede on behalf of our world. Number two, I want to remind you and all young adults in the house, we have Pursuit tonight. The information's in your worship guide. We'd love to see you there. Also, we have a virtual Grace Track coming up. Now, Grace Track is an opportunity for you to get connected to the church, learn the foundations of the church, potentially even partner with the church. But in addition to that, we want you to discover your gifts and discover how God has made you and help you find a place to plug in and serve. The fourth thing I want to mention is groups are starting, including our Grace Women's Groups. And Grace Women's Groups are beginning this week, so you still have time to sign up for those. So don't forget our Sela Prayer Time, Pursuit, Grace Track, and Grace Women Groups, and all that's here in your worship guide. Let's pray for the offering this morning. Father, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us. We ask that you would bless them. And Father, as we give back to you, that you would use that for ministry in your kingdom. We thank you for your abundance and generosity in our lives. And we give back to you that which you have given us. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. I know we uh, might just let us in a prayer. But I want us to engage another point of prayer this morning. We prayed about this last week, but I think as long as it's 
a pressing need, we should continue to pray. We sang a song this morning out of Psalm 121 that says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This past Friday, I uh, did a funeral for someone who passed with COVID. Yesterday, one of our staff members' dads passed away with COVID. I have friends um, in the ICU unit, even as we gather this morning, you know folks today who are battling COVID. And I just think as long as this is an issue, we should continue to make it a matter of prayer. Amen? Just to believe for God's intervention, for God to bring life, for God to bring healing, um, and for God to restore. So would you pray with me as before we get into the Word? Lord, we thank you today that you've invited us to come. Lord, even as we sang earlier, Lord, this morning we lift our eyes to you. God, you are our source and you are our help. And Lord, in this time of need, Lord, today we pray for it. Lord, first, individuals in our Grace Covenant family who have experienced loss and death the past week, the past few days. God, we ask that you, the God of compassion, the Father of comfort, that you would bring your peace and your help for these who are navigating through, Lord, deep places of grief, even as we gather this morning. Lord, bring them into your arms. May they just sense that of your presence and your provision in this time of grief. And Lord, we pray, secondly, for those that we would know, family members, friends, Lord, who are battling this COVID virus, Lord, we ask that you would miraculously intervene. God, that you would heal lungs, that you would restore life. God, that you would intervene. God, we're grateful for the medical community. We're grateful for the wisdom and the insight that you've given doctors and nurses. And we pray blessings on them as they're serving, Lord, so well in this season. But Lord, what we know is you're the healer. So Lord, we look to you and we ask God, bring your healing provision for our family members, for our friends today. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, grab your Bibles. Look with me to James chapter 2. Hopefully you've been reading along as we are working our way through the book of James this morning. We're going to talk about this dynamic duo of faith partnered with works. And that's kind of what the whole book of James is about. But this passage in James chapter 2 that we want to look at today really zeroes in on this concept of of faith partnered with works. See, being a Christ follower begins with profession, right? As we receive God's grace and His gift of salvation, but it's revealed through our works. Begins with profession, revealed through our works. So faith and works go together. It's not just faith, and it's not just works. Rather, it's, it's a faith that works, that's authentic, that's genuine. It's a faith partnered with works that honors God. It's a faith partnered with works that impacts our community. I, I want to show you what faith partnered with actions, faith partnered with works looks like. I think a picture is like worth a thousand words. Let me uh, see if we can get this up. This is a picture of the Neighborhood Care Center that's located about a mile and a half from this location. About six years ago, a little over six years ago, Uh, We as a church family responded to what we felt was a prompting of the Holy Spirit to move into the neighborhood. 
like move out of the building into the neighborhood. So we bought a piece of land and we constructed this, the neighborhood care center, where we would be able to do this, really simple, that we would be able to put our faith to work. That we would be able to take the very professions we make and actually flesh them out in the neighborhood. Um, Amazing thing today, the Neighborhood Care Center is not so much a ministry of Grace Covenant as it is a ministry to the community with all of these churches in the community partnering together. I I think it's a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to look like. I mean, you got the you got the Methodist folks and you got the Baptist folks and the Presbyterian folks. Like everyone's coming together, and there's what faith being put to work through the Neighborhood Care Center. So let me let me just share with you what's happened. But we are now in the ninth month of this year. So what's happened eight months, the eight months of this year, as a result of faith being put to work through the Neighborhood Care Center, this summer, 3,482 lunches were provided for 180 children. These lunches were hand-delivered to homes by people who were, get, who were doing this. They were simply living out their faith. Through an initiative called Threads of Faith, 75 families were blessed with clothes as children were getting ready to go back to school. Again, faith partnered with works. Through an initiative called Manna for Life, 8,766 meals were provided over the past eight months, serving approximately 50 families per month. Through a tutoring program, there were 25 volunteers that tutored 22 students, helping them with their education. There was also an ESL class provided English, a second language, where 12 students were served by five volunteers as they were put in their faith to work. Then through an initiative, I love this one, called Anointed All. Um, This was in partnership with the tire doctor. 35 mothers on Mother's Day received a free oil change, a rose, and a $20 gift card. Now, all of these are just really simple ways that individuals are putting their faith to work. It's through these actions and initiatives, people in the community are doing what? They're experiencing Jesus, right? They're experiencing the reality of Jesus as individuals are taking what they say, they're taking their profession and putting it to work. So more than people just hearing about Jesus, they're experiencing Jesus. See, as knowing Jesus has changed people's lives, they are now helping change the lives of others. Again, it's all happening as faith is being partnered with works. Now, it's important this morning that we understand that, that we're saved by faith alone. It's a theological statement that's pretty significant. We're saved by faith alone. But once we are saved, that faith doesn't remain alone. When Jesus saves us, what? He intends to transform us, right? And it's that transformation happening in our lives and through our lives that should positively impact others. Our salvation is to be holistic, affecting not only our souls, who we serve, not only our heads, what we think, but also our hearts, what we love, and our hands, what we do. In other words, salvation that comes through Christ alone must impact who we are and how we live, or it's not an authentic faith. Let me say that again. Salvation that comes through Christ alone must change who we are and how we live If not, then what James is going to tell us this morning, it's not an authentic faith. It's not a genuine faith. It's not a a real faith. You know, down through the years, there's been much debate about this this concept of faith and works. There have been 
books actually written about this subject, articles written about this subject, individuals debating this issue of faith and works. There's some who would say, well, you know, it's by faith alone, and they take the scripture in Ephesians 2.8 that says, for by grace are we saved through faith and not of our works so that like no one would be able to boast. And then there's others who take what James writes about here in James chapter 2 and says, no, it's not faith alone, it's, 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 it's works, but it's really not either or. If you can think of it like this, it's, it's faith and works that come together in, in tandem, working together. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis said it like this. I have the quote there in your notes. He says, regarding the debate about faith and works, it's like asking which blade in a pair of scissors is most important. Like both are, right? Or, or if you take... If you take a coin, if I have a coin in my pocket, you can't see it from the balcony, but what I'm holding is a quarter, okay? If, if you were to look at this quarter and I were to ask you the question, which is most important, the head side or the tail side? What would you say? Like both are important, right? If you just have the head side, you don't have an authentic coin, Right? If you just have the tail side, you don't have an authentic coin. But when you bring the two together, when you have the heads and the tails, like then you have a complete quarter, then you have something that's worth 25 cents. Today it won't buy you much, but you do have a quarter, right? Because you have both sides. And so it is, authentic, authentic God-honoring faith is not faith or works, but it's the two coming together. So let's read about what James had to say about this dynamic duo of, of faith and works, I want to pick up this morning in verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such, a, such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sisters without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Do you believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So in this passage of Scripture, James is really not contrasting faith and works. He's not building a case like as to which is better, faith or, or works. What he's revealing for us, I believe, is the contrast to the difference between true faith and false faith. What's he talking about? True faith and a false faith. The true faith is proved real because it, because it brings forth good works as a result of this, a transformed life. False faith is proved dead 
because there are no good works or actions because there's not been life transformation. Folks, what, what you don't want to happen, hear me, what you don't want to happen on that future day when you stand before Jesus is discover that you had a false faith, right? Like that would be the crisis of all crises. To understand what you thought was genuine faith was really not genuine faith at all. Matter of fact, in Matthew 7, 21, listen to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I'm not sharing this verse with you this morning to, to frighten you, but I am sharing it so that you'll think about your faith life. A true saving faith, an authentic faith that Jesus describes is one that partners both faith and works as a result of this, as a result of a transformed life. So, so from the words of James, what does a faith that works looks like? Three things this morning, really quick, that I want to share with you. What does a faith that works look like? The first is this, true faith is more than what we say. More than what we say. Then words without actions is more than useless. It's actually a contradiction. Notice what James said in, verses, in verse 14. He says, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith, if he or she is like saying the right things, but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? In other words, James is asking, is it a real faith? If there's profession without action, if there's profession without, without works. Then he goes on to give this illustration of, of someone being in need. They, they need like the basics. They need food and clothing. But if you speak some like Christian blessing over them or just share a verse of scripture with them and don't help them with their basic needs, James says, what good is it? Of what benefit is it? Like they're cold and they need clothes, they're hungry and they, they need food. Your words, no matter how inspiring they might be, listen, they don't help. They don't meet the need. A true faith, authentic faith, takes what you believe, takes what you say, and actually puts it to work. So, so let me ask you a question. Which of these responses do you think might be more God-honoring and might be more impactful? You see someone who needs clothes and food, and you hand them a scripture verse and walk away. Or you see someone who needs clothes and food and you help them with what they need and you share your faith with them. Obviously the second response, right? Why? Because that's what authentic faith looks like. Listen, we can say the right thing, but unless there's evidence that what we say changes how we live, we are deceiving ourselves. As self-deceit. Not only are we deceiving ourselves, but we're not representing Jesus well. So let me show you another picture. Obviously, this is not just a house. You can tell by the banner. This is a Habitat for Humanity house. This is what happens when our faith becomes more than what we say. When our faith actually becomes more than words. You're going all the way back to 1959. There was a couple who were strong believers, had strong faith. The couple's name was Millard and Linda Fuller. They were moved by the need for affordable housing. They were troubled that individuals didn't have the basics of like roof over their head and indoor plumbing. That wrecked them. 
And more than just professing their faith, they thought somebody should do something about this. And so they started an organization that today we know as Habitat for Humanity, but it started by rallying a group of people to build the first house. For a husband, a wife, and five children, they went from having like no housing, to roof over their head, indoor plumbing. All of that happened because one couple was motivated to put their faith to action. And they created this whole partnership concept where individuals would be able to have affordable housing, that they would be a part of the building process, that they would have a, a low payment, no interest loan that would be funded, and they would be a part of building their own house. An amazing concept. Fast forward from 1959 to the present, Habitat for Humanity is active in all 50 states across the United States and 70 countries around the world. And get this, since 1959, they have provided affordable housing for over 35 million people around the world. 35 million people have been impacted because one couple said, we're going to put our faith to work. We're not just going to talk Jesus, we're going to live Jesus. We're going to take Jesus and we're going to address this problem of affordable housing and we're going to do something about it. Now, the Fullers, the Fullers probably had no idea the, the, the impact that this would bring. But all 50 states, 70 countries around the world, 35 million people, folks, that is the potential of what happens when our faith becomes more than what we say. Not only is true faith more than what we say, true faith is more than what we believe. More than what we believe. And it's not enough. Friends, it's not enough just to have facts, to have information, or even be able to quote Scripture. Or even be able to win at Bible trivia. It's not enough just to have facts alone. Notice in verse 19, James says, You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And the demons are monotheists. And they know the truth of Christ's death, resurrection, ascension, and come and return. They believe and shudder, but they're not saved. Listen, you can have all the right theology in the world. And I think it's important to have good theology. But just having facts in your head won't save you. See, salvation's not a head issue. It, it, it begins with your thinking, but it must impact your heart. And then it's manifested through your hands. Right? True salvation, a true saving faith is not just analytical. It must transform who you are from the inside out and it must flow from your heart to your hands or it's not authentic. It's a false faith. That's what James is, is telling us. See, having a right theology and having facts alone will not save you. It's faith partnered with action and the work of Christ alone that saves you. We see the impact of Faith partnered with actions through, a ministry, through the ministry of an organization called For Charlotte. If you're not familiar with that term, the organization For Charlotte is uh, one of our partners. And the goal of For Charlotte is to unite the churches in our area. There's a concept, isn't it? That the churches would be united. Uh, the churches would be united to serve our city. That's really the whole goal of For Charlotte. To unite churches, to live out our faith. In the city. Well, back earlier in March of 2020, the city of Charlotte, as you would know, was facing 
the reality of the needs created by the COVID-19 crisis. It's a critical need to mobilize a community-wide response. So the city manager, Marcus Jones, called up my friend Rob Kelly, who leads for Charlotte, and says, can you help us with this? Can you mobilize a group of people, a group of organizations to address this crisis that's happening in our city in relation again to COVID-19. So for Charlotte pulled together, get this, 264 organizations and nonprofits to serve the city of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. They mobilized 34,282 volunteers. Get this, 98% of those volunteers were from the church. 98%. Of the 34,282 volunteers were from the church. And as a result of that, over 4.1 million meals were served to vulnerable families. And over 10,000 children of first responders were cared for. Folks, that's what happens when our faith becomes more than just what we believe. When it gets from our head to moving through our hands and our feet. Folks, here's the bottom line. True faith changes how you live. If it's not changed how you live, then I would say you got a crisis. I would say you got a problem. I would say from what James says here, that possibly your faith is not authentic. Why? True faith changes how you live. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't just change like how we live on Sunday alone, but every day of the week. True faith is revealed through our actions, our decisions, our relationships, and our behaviors. In James chapter 2, verse 20 through 26, James pulls two illustrations from the Old Testament to illustrate for us like how our faith life should direct how we live. He speaks of how Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness, but it didn't stop there. His faith then directed his actions. God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, and and sacrifice him. The scripture says Abraham got up the next morning with his son Isaac and they headed out to Mount Moriah. What Abraham partnered his belief with his actions. It changed how we live. James says his faith was made complete, get this, by what he did. Not just what he said, but what he did. Then he speaks of Rahab the prostitute that hid the spies when they came into Jericho. When When Rahab defended God's people against her own people, James says she showed this, genuine faith. You can say you have all the faith in the world, but until that faith results in actions... You can't say that you have a genuine faith. A genuine faith, what it changes who you are, how you live. So what, what James makes very clear is that our faith is revealed through what we do. Bottom line. Revealed by... Doesn't matter, again, how many scriptures you can quote. Doesn't matter how many great confessions or professions you can make. But authentic faith is revealed through what we do, our actions. It's revealed through a, through a changed life. So, through, so our faith is proved through what? The actions of our lives. And our faith is, sh- is shared by our good deeds. Other people get to see and experience Jesus as we put our faith to work. But they see the reality of Christ. In Matthew 5.16, listen to what Jesus said. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Get this, that they may see your good deeds. What are they seeing? 
Your good deeds. What are they seeing? Your action. What are they seeing? They're seeing you put your faith to work. That they may see your good deeds and then they'll praise your Father in heaven. As we partner faith and works, people who are far from God get to experience God, what? Through our authentic faith. It's this action that empowers us to effectively represent Jesus. And then what happens? Lost people get saved because of your authentic faith. I, I want to show you one last picture that illustrates this truth. A few years ago, a Grace Covenant family put our faith to action as we raised $42,000 to provide the funding to translate the Gospel of John into the heart language of two different people groups in the nation of the Ivory Coast. Hard for us to imagine, but there's people around the world who do not have God's Word in their language. Can you imagine that? We're so blessed. How many Bibles do you have at your house? I have a bunch. I think that there's people around the world who do not have God's Word in their language. We were moved by that. That captivated us. We said we should do something about that. We should put our faith to work. So you were, many of you were a part of this. You helped fund the project. $42,000 partnering with the seed company. The Gospel of John was translated, again, into the heart language of two people groups. Then we partnered with our Foursquare family in the Ivory Coast and said, hey, we're providing the Gospel of John for these two people groups. What do you think about planting churches in the region where this Gospel of John is going? And they jumped on board. We formed that partnership. And there's this village. Um, I don't know if you can see me or not. I'm the only white guy in the picture. I'm all the way to the back, and I, my arm is around the chief of this village. This, this is the Neo people group. I'm sorry, this, this so moves me. This is the Neo people group who did not have God's word. And their, and their heart language. Not only did we provide the Gospel of John in their language, they needed clean water. They didn't have clean water in their village. We raised another $12,000. I'm standing actually in front of, there's a pump behind that wall. We helped drill a well, a well so that they would have clean water in their village. So now they have the Gospel of John. They have clean water. If we can go back to the other picture. The chief who I'm seeing by there came to know Christ as his Savior. Today the whole village has become followers of Jesus Christ. Because, because they were a group of people who said, we're not just going to talk about Jesus. We're going to live Jesus. We're not just going to make great prophetic statements and prophetic blessings but we're actually going to take our faith and we're going to put it to work and hear me friends today it has eternally changed a whole village of people simply as faith became authentic that's what james is talking about here 
I'm not talking about should we have faith or should we have works. It's not either or, it's both and. It's bringing that dynamic, dynamic duo together in such a way that not only does it change our lives, but all of our lives that have been forever changed by the wonder of God's mercy and grace, we go and we reach out to people who are far from God that they might experience the same mercy and grace that we have experienced. But this is what authentic faith looks like. For putting our faith to work. I want to leave you this morning with this quote from John Wesley, which I think is a great challenge for everyone in the room today, for everyone watching online. John Wesley said it like this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Amen? Well, Holy Spirit, help us do it. Lord, the last thing our community needs, the last thing our world needs, is a bunch of folks who are just saying words that are empty of action, that are void of action. Lord, what our community, what our world needs to experience today is authentic faith. They need to experience the Jesus that has transformed our lives lived out in a real way that impacts them where they're at and where they live. Lord, I think of this story of the Neo people group. It's, it's what happens. It's the fruit of what happens. Lord, when, when a people say, hey, we're going to put our faith to work. Lord, the end result is people's lives are changed physically and eternally. Holy Spirit, my prayer today for myself and for this church that I'm privileged to be a part of, Lord, may we be those who every day, as we're going to our school, as we're going to our workplace, as we're going to the gym, as we're going into our neighborhood, Holy Spirit, help us be those who are living out authentic faith. It's not just about saying the right thing. But it's about our words being connected to life-giving action. Lord, in that, this is what I know. God, you're going to be honored because it's a faith that honors you. Our lives are going to be changed. And we're going to get to be a part of seeing you transform the lives of others. Because that's what happens when faith is partnered with works. Transformation comes. So Holy Spirit, energize us. Empower us every day to be those who are living out authentic faith. Faith partnered with works. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I mean, you know, we got some work to do, Right? About half of you agree. Let's try that again. How many of you know we got some work to do? Yeah. Amen. Every day we have the privilege of what? Of taking Jesus and living it out. Wherever we are, listen, wherever you are, you're on assignment. What do you do? You're just living out Jesus. Living out an authentic faith. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if they would come this morning as we wrap this up today. We have leaders available to 
pray with you, to pray for you. If you have a need, a physical need, a financial need, relational need, whatever that might be, we would love to pray with you today. We believe in the power of prayer here at Grace Covenant, so these leaders are available. Maybe you're here today and you would say, wow, after this message today, I'm not certain I know Jesus. Or maybe you say, I, I need to know Jesus. I need Jesus in my heart. And if that's you, these leaders are available. They would love to share with you how Jesus Christ can be your Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, friends, most important decision you'll ever make. Not only does it shape your life here, but it defines your eternity. That's why it's the big issue. So if you've not made that decision, please come see one of these leaders this morning. Give them an opportunity to share with you how Jesus Christ can be your Lord and Savior. We have communion available this morning, both in the balcony here on the main floor. It's self-serve. If you want to embrace the provision of the cross, we have that for you here this morning. Well, as you go into your week, I pray God's favor, His blessing on you. Listen, make it a point on Monday morning. As you get out of bed, as you pull out of your driveway, man, make a decision that, man, today I'm going to put my faith to work. Amen? God bless you. Have a great day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.